Welcome to the Illuminations Media Network. This is Tamara Westwood, your host, and I am absolutely thrilled to bring this show to you. You know, one of my favorite episodes is our Illuminary Spotlight. And today we're spotlighting a very special individual in the world. She is an ordinary woman, just like you and I. She has a family, she has children, she works, and she is on a mission. But she is doing extraordinary things in the world. So without further ado, I'm going to welcome on the show Dr. Drayvon James. She's a motivational speaker, she's an everyday peacemaker, and she's the author of Freedom is Your Birthright. Welcome, Drayvon. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, oh, I'm just so thrilled. I'm so thrilled. Like-minded woman, south side of Chicago. (laughs) Home girl. (laughs) Absolutely. South side of Chicago. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm thrilled. Um, I I just want so much for uh, my listeners and my viewers to get to know you well, to get to see your vision. I know that everybody's right in alignment with it because... Those are the kinds of people that listen to the Illuminations Media Network. Wonderful. People who are woke (laughs) and people who are ready for more information. So if you would please, since you're brand new to the family, just take a moment to share a little bit about yourself and what led you to this passion of writing this book, The Freedom is Your Birthright. Wonderful. Well, thank you. I'd be happy to share. So you said just about everything about me, but as you mentioned, I am the founder of an organization, Everyday Peace. We're our sole mission. We have no other purpose. Our sole mission is to teach people how to use everything. And I mean everything that shows up in their life, the good, the bad, the ugly, the in-between, as a stepping stone on the pathway to achieving their life's dreams, living their dream life. Mm -hmm. I consider myself, as you mentioned, to be an everyday peacemaker, which means that I have the ability to create wholeness, completeness, totality, nothing missing, nothing broken, to create that in my life. And I believe that every other person is the same, an everyday peacemaker. That's a skill that can be taught, so we teach that. And in addition to that, I have just written my first book, the first book in a five book series called the Stepping Stone series. The first book, as you mentioned, is Freedom is Your Birthright. In addition to that, there's more. (laughs) I am the mom of two amazing teenagers, amazing people. I am an actress and I've been practicing pharmacy for, oh my goodness, 28 years and married for 23 Oh, well, congratulations. You have created a beautiful life for yourself. You are spreading this out. out I am. Everybody else on the planet, and we certainly can't appreciate that here. So I decided to write this book quite by accident, to be honest with you. I really was working on getting my vision out there, Everyday Peace, and I happened to be sharing it with some people, as I always am. And But this was a very casual encounter, just talking, and the person listening to me said, you know what, Drayvon, you need to write a book. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, you know, there's so many books people don't really read. You know, people are in instant information. And he insisted, he said, that you need to write a book. And so I did. I decided to write a book. And I thought, 
as I was thinking through my processes and my beliefs and what it is I know about the universe and how it works, mm-hmm. I thought we first have to accept some mm-hmm. fundamental truths about ourselves. When we accept those truths, we can build from there. But if we try to build without having a good foundation, well, that doesn't work. It's not sustainable. And the truth is we are free, free to do so many things that we take for granted and we let somebody else do for us. We're free. And that is our birthright. So I started there and I feel that that is a good foundation. This little tiny book, Freedom is Your Birthright, contains so much information. It's tiny on purpose because I really want people to get from the beginning to the end, do the exercises, let it just wash all over you, become a part of you, use it as a reference, but get from the beginning to the end and watch the change that occurs in their life. Well, Drayvon, I have been privileged to read this book and, and through technology on my, uh, my Mac computer, I've turned it into an audio book and I listened to it and it is, it is, Awesome. It, it's not one of those books that certainly you can read it cover to cover, but you're not going to be done. It's a reference. It's a tiny reference guide. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's like a, a little jewel that you can carry around your little pocket. <laughs> you know, it, it's amazing. But, but you know, because um, there's just so much jam packed into that little book, there are a few things that I wanted to, to bring up, you know, and maybe expound upon with our listeners and viewers. Um, one of the main ones that really touched my heart is where you said to relinquish your right to be bitter. Oh, oh that's a deep one. Isn't that something? That is relinquishing your right to be bitter first requires that we acknowledge that you do have a right. Some, something has occurred yeah. and it's created a feeling in you, right? right? And that feeling is so important because it, it, it acts as a compass or a thermometer. It says, you know, where we are right now is not in the best place for what we're trying to build. So something needs to be changed or we need to find a new place. So that's important for us to acknowledge it. Yes, to acknowledge that that pain is, like you said, it is like a compass. It's letting you know it's an indication that something needs your attention because it's got you off track. Right. Right. That's the only reason for us to have that emotion. It is never intended for us to get stuck on it. Right. It's mm. to get our attention. It's like putting your hand on a hot stove. You don't put it there and let it linger. Uh, no. <laughs> During the holiday time, I do a lot of cooking, and you'll accidentally grab a pot that you thought was cold on the stove and is hot, and you move your hand away quickly. Yes. The pot got my attention, right? And so the, the emotion, the bitterness or whatever it is, the pain, the anguish, it got your attention. You are now aware. It's not meant for you to linger Right. And that lingering part, Drayvon, I call that's the part of it that is the suffering part. You know, the the pain is necessary, right, to get your attention, help you to wake up and see that something needs your attention. Something's happened. But that suffering and lingering and holding on to that pot. (laughs) Right. And when we put it in the the reference of thinking about a hot pot, he said, who does that? Who would keep their hand there? You know it's hot. You know it's right. not a good place to be. You know something needs to change. So let's go to, to work. Let's do the work. But we do that with our emotions. And that is where I feel like I have the right to be mad. 
Somebody hurt me. Oh. I have the right. What is that? We all do it. Mm-hmm. We get stuck there in, the, in that pity. And there's a part of us that is comforted by the pity. Because we, you know, we call it the self-soothing. But we have, if we truly want to be creators and possess that freedom position, the CEO of our life, if you will, yeah. then we must say, thank you. You got my attention. And this is how I'm going to work through that to get to here. I'm going to use that as a stepping stone and not a stumbling block. We have to decide to relinquish the right to be bitter, decide to get better, learn something new about yourself, a new approach. If nothing else, learn that whatever just happened is unacceptable in your life. Right, right. If you can't learn anything, it's unacceptable. Okay, I got it. Mm-hmm. You know, so we can create boundaries, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> communicate that you know, appropriately and move on. If you can't do anything else, but linger, you've got to relinquish that and decide I'm going to get better. Whatever this event is, yes. it's going to be a stepping stone, not a stumbling block. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's a choice. As you, you speak to throughout your book, that it's all a choice, that, that that divine right that we have, that divine birthright, you know, gives us the option to choose how we respond to whatever life throws at us. Absolutely. Our whole existence is based on us choosing and naming it for ourselves. And I love if you follow any, you know, universal truth, the Bible is one source of universal truth. And I love when, you know, God tells Adam to name every creation. You just name it, whatever you call it, that's what it is. So you could say, this is the event to ruin my life. And so it is. You could choose. Yeah. Or you could say, this is the pivotal point right here where my life is going to turn around Mm -hmm. and I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. And so it is. Same event, you name it, what it's going to be. You give it its power. You do. You are a creator. Beautifully said. Yes. Yes. That naming. I get to name it and I get to claim you know, whatever it is, you know, and then you, you talk about leaning in to the conflict. We have a tendency to, to want to back up and Mm -hmm. we're afraid of it. We don't want to deal with conflict, but you're talking about leaning on into it. Yeah. And you know, and I was that sister, I would be, I would avoid conflict in my life. If I had to circle the world 300 times to prevent conflict, getting engaged in something that I felt was negative. I would do that. And me too. Me too. I was afraid of being a bitch. Cause you know, the worst thing in the world is to be a black bitch, right? Oh my goodness. Yeah. We, <laughs> right. We do it so well, even when we're silent, apparently. Right. Right. <laughs> so to use your voice and, and to speak up for yourself, how dare you? Because you, you, know, you don't want to be creating a conflict. So it took me a long time to understand the value, not only to myself, but to the other people in my life, of leaning into conflict mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and deciding that here we are, and we may have a difference of opinion. We may be pulling in two different, we want two different results, but I am not necessarily going to give in or with, without voicing without voicing my, my feelings and my truth and my needs, because that's not good for either one of us. You see, a lot of times in a conflict situation, we're always concerned with remaining the same 
And that's why we don't lean in all because we don't want that change. That's right. So rigid against change. We want it to remain the same. And so if we can avoid the conflict, then we don't have to change. Even if it's horrific, right? Yes. If it's comfortable, then we want to hold on for dear life. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. We want want to remain there, but we can't. Life is evolving. There's not, everything is evolving and we have to evolve with it. It's impossible to stay the same. What about perfectionism? Perfectionism is a huge roadblock. We we talked about trying to avoid being, you know, a biatch, if you will. Um, We cannot be wrong. We cannot make a mistake. That's harmful. Yeah, how much pressure. You know, perfection is the pursuit of the unattainable goal. Oh, yes. So when we embrace life like that, when we say, you know what, I am setting on this course Mm -hmm. to do my absolute best, knowing that perfection is the pursuit of the unattainable goal, a worthy pursuit, but it is unattainable. It takes all that pressure off of you. You see, the only thing required here is that I stay in the moment Mm -hmm. and I give the best of me. Being the best, yeah. And that best may vary moment to moment, right? Absolutely. What was 100% yesterday? Today's conditions are changed. And somebody may look at you and say, you're only giving 50%. They can't see you from the inside out. You say, no, this is 110. (laughs) That's right. It changes. Mm. And we have to be flexible. Yes. It's important to be flexible with ourselves and with others. And say, you know, this is where I am today. This is what I need today. This is what I can give today. Mm-hmm. When we become honest like that, and I find so often we as women are not in that honest space, you know, because so much is on our shoulders and, you know, we're in a giving position, overgiving, overgiving, and we are not honest with, you know, today, my 100% involves just making it downstairs to make a cup of tea and back upstairs. That's 100% for me today. <laughs> and, you know, Drayvon, you speak to honesty, you know, being authentic, being for real, you know, I was one of those persons who, you know, of course, I, I didn't want to be a black bitch, right? Number one, <laughs> I didn't want conflict, right? So I didn't always speak my truth about my needs. And what I found was that even though I thought I was being authentic and I was being kind and I was, I was uh, being nice, right? People didn't trust me because they could feel that inauthenticity in back of all this niceness. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? It is so interesting. So it's counterproductive. And it takes a lifetime for many of us to realize that, you know, why don't we have the external relationships that we're working so hard for? My goodness, we've done all the things. We've got the right personality. We've got the smile. We've got the right words. You know, And why isn't it turning around for us? Why aren't we bringing that into our space? And you're absolutely right. It's not authentic. And we've not, we're not letting people know truly how to love and care for us because we're so concerned with how we appear to them. Mm-hmm. You know, and we can gloss it up. I used to say for years that I really was doing that for the other person because yes. I really didn't want to hurt them. But when I really, really start to do a lot of self-introspection, I said, you know, what really is going on here is that I don't want to be judged as a mean person or an unkind person. And 
as I matured and studied more, I said, well, you know, some days it just is what it is. This is what, you know, and some people may, may misinterpret today's behavior as being this is who I am. But dealing with the situation honestly is necessary so that we can have a good relationship. That's right. So that you can know what my boundaries are so I can know what your boundaries are so we can deal together in truth. And we only get there. We only get there when we first decide to deal with ourselves in truth, to see ourselves eyes wide open. Right. And, you know, in your book, you speak to that, um, that ability to allow your partner to grow and knowing that you are also growing, that you two are not the same people that you were when you first got together. You're going to grow and change and being open to and allowing for that without fear. Oh, fear is a crippling emotion, isn't it? Yes. It's a crippling emotion. It, it, it requires that we act and perceive the world irrationally. Yes. It is not rational that people who have been together for two months, two years, 20 years would be the same people that they were. If they were, one of them wouldn't be necessary. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. That is so, so true. Yeah. We want to hold everything the same, but we're changing. And that's okay. And I was on a, a program maybe a week ago and a caller called in and talked about, you know, wanting her significant other to do all kinds of things with her shopping and all that. So a lot of times we confuse a significant <laughs> other with a girlfriend, right? Yes. Their needs are different. Our, our relationship needs are different and they are evolving, which causes us to grow and develop, but we're not becoming the, no one's becoming our whole center of our universe. And we yeah. should not become the whole center of somebody else's universe. That's unhealthy and it's, it's unnatural. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's unhealthy and unnatural. That love, that, that, that type of attention we need to put on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Put that on ourselves. It would be so well served if we put that type of attention internally. And say, you know, let me get to know myself on that level. Let me do for myself the things that I wish someone else was doing for me. Yes. Really see how it feels. And you, with that, then you begin to teach others how to treat you according oh. to how you're treating yourself. You know that golden rule, do unto others as you want them to do unto you? I always say do unto yourself as you want others to do unto you as well. That's a huge one. Yes. You know, it's it's with every relationship. Years ago, I watched Maya Angelou on an interview, and she said, and I didn't even have children. My oldest is 18, so it was many years ago. She said something to the effect that mothers have to teach their children how to love them. And not only is it true for a mother-child relationship, it's true for every relationship. We have to show by example how to love me by showing you how I love me. How do I treat myself? Well, if you're a part of yourself, if you don't respect your body, respect your time, then you can't expect other people to respect you more than what you respect you. So true. We really, or to get to know you, this is a big one. You know, you, love is about someone sharing your space and getting to know you. Now, how is that possible when you haven't spent time getting to know you? You don't know what your triggers are. You don't know what, what motivates you, what puts you in a place of wanting and needing. You don't know that about yourself, but you want somebody else to invest the time. Right, right. And, and that's one thing that you do 
you know, um, in, in your everyday peace practice is that you help people to, to get connected with self, become aware of what your needs are. What are your values, you know? Mm-hmm. Without any shame, hmm. blame, or condemnation, because quite honestly, many people close their eyes to themselves. I, I used to say, my sister and I used to say, people squint when they look at themselves because they don't want to see their flaws and the Ooh. things they don't want other people to see. And That's so, a big one. Yeah, so it's big. It's, it's important when we're getting to know ourselves that we say this is a safe place. Yes. Anything I get to know about you today, I'm still going to love you no matter what. This is not a place of judgment. And this is self-talk so that we can really get in there and put the light on everything. No little dark crevices and corners left behind, but the light on everything. Because truly, everything that's inside of us developed out of a need some kind of way. Oh, yes. Cultivated fully. Because if we had cultivated fully, it would be serving us in a positive way. But if we let it sit in the dark in the dusty corner of our mind or our soul, then it festers in the wrong way. It becomes like a weed and it's choking out all the other stuff. So we That's really, right. really have to spend that time of getting to know each other, ourselves without any blame or shame. Yes. And it tends to rear its head when you don't want it to because you've suppressed it and repressed it. And it's like, wait a minute, I have something to say. And it's going to jump on out when you don't want it to. <laughs> it's going to slip out. That closet door is going to come open. And like, oh, my goodness. And then, and then we go into this, you know, self-condemnation. You know, we can't believe that we did that. And yes. But if we deal with it, deal with it without any shame, know what the triggers are, know what's there. I often relate our relationship with ourselves. I said we have to be with ourselves like we would be with a middle schooler. They're middle schoolers to me when you're in middle school, having had children, my own and my nieces and stuff go through middle school. It is the hardest part of school because, you know, so much is happening. And when those little kids come home at the end of the day full of all that rage or happiness, whatever it is, and they sit and talk, you never sit there and judge them. You just sit there and listen to them from a place of wisdom, knowing that this too will pass. Yes. It's okay, to, it's okay to communicate it with me. Let me rub you on your back. Let me get you something cold to drink. If we treat ourselves that way, when we get in that space, it's okay. It's yes. to get all that out. And you know, Drayvon, one thing about that, you, you brought up, you know, the, the trials and the tribulations, the, the difficulties that, that young people are having because there's no life experience. And, and we think about a lot of these negative aspects, you know, about ourselves that are hidden and that we don't want to see. A lot of them were created, yes, out of unmet needs, but they were created out of decisions that were made from a five-year-old mind yes. that didn't have any experience. And they're still running us in the background. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You are so absolutely true. And how do you rid yourself of that it's easier than people think mm-hmm. don't browbeat yourself you go back and you thank your five-year-old self for being intelligent enough to come up with that solution at five years old but yeah. now 55 and that doesn't work anymore yeah it doesn't right? fit anymore yeah right. but you have to say you know first I, I i really applaud you boy that was something and look that got us from there to here mm-hmm. but now i'm gonna thank you for your service I no longer need that response. Right. I have so many other tools in this arsenal, in this tool chest that I can use. I no longer need to use that one. 
Mm-hmm. Really got to get in that place of self-awareness and mm-hmm. self-love and self-talk so that we can say, you know, I made that decision. Look, when I started doing that, you know, when I started ranting and raving or getting into this negative space, I don't need to do that anymore. Right. I got a lot more life experience and I got a lot of more tools at my disposal. That's right. Well, in your book, you speak about um, a relative of yours that, that you named Stephen in the book who had been incarcerated. And you talk about the beauty of his evolution, how he, he woke up during that process. Can you share that with our listeners and viewers? Truly, freedom starts to happen for us when we really start to look at our life and view ourselves as a power player in our own life. And this particular relative of mine had been imprisoned for a number of years. In fact, this was his second sentence and he had already served 10 years of his life in prison Mm -hmm. and he was back in prison and he was the type of person, lovely person, wonderful person you would, you know, but he blamed all of his decisions on external conditions. Mm -hmm. And at this point we had been going back and forth and we had lost contact and now we had gotten back in contact and he was sharing some ter- just really heart-wrenching stories about prison life. Mm-hmm. Through this course of talking over several months, maybe even a year, one day we were on the phone and he started telling me about something that happened in the prison and it was just really gruesome. And at the end of the tale, he said to me, I was really saddened because I, as I watched another man dying, I realized that his choices led him here. Well, I'd never heard him speak of choice mm. and his person and he started talking about his personal choices and it was the beginning of a turning around for him wow. but he was seeing himself the freedom that he had yes things happen rain falls on the just and the unjust <laughs> yes how we choose <laughs> how we choose to react our choices we are free and I'm proud to say today that he is gainfully employed in society, but it was that recognition of his power in his life, his ability to take responsibility for his choice, accepting his freedom, and then taking responsibility. Mm. So very important because if we live life as a victim, right, we are powerless to create change. Very, very true. Right. And once he took himself out of the victim, and said, you know what? No, I'm gonna make a choice here. And the situation didn't change overnight. It was, you know, step by step how life happens. It unfolds, you know, one day at a time. But that was the first step for him. And he's doing so well today. It, he is a testament. His life spoke to me and his choices spoke to me. Beautiful. Well, and you speak about this idea of the word. And we know scripturally the word. <laughs> The word becomes flesh. It manifests in our lives. And so when we decide to step out of victimhood and we move into this purposeful uh, warrior of life, you know, the, this one who, who is in charge because I'm a victor, I get to choose what I do, how I respond, how I react, but it takes time. And, and that language has to change. Mm-hmm. You speak to the social awkwardness that okay. happens when you make the decision that I'm no longer going to engage in negative complaining and other types of conversations. Yes. Please speak to that awkward moment because we've all been there. 
I can speak to it personally. When I made this decision years ago that I was no longer going to engage in that, I could, I, I was at a loss. I'd get in functions or I'd get to work or around people and I didn't know what to talk about. And I realized when I was going through this process that everything in my world and probably in everybody's world reinforced negative conversation. In, in, from the beginning, when you wake up in the morning, your alarm clock goes off. And you may wake up to the traffic report, which tells you that it's a horrible day. Traffic is backed up on 95. You're going to be three hours delayed. And you get in the car and talks about a number of murders that happened last night. And the Dow Jones is doing this. You, you know, so and it's over. over and over. So when you make the decision that you yourself, me, myself, made the decision that if it wasn't something that I wanted in my life, to show up in my life, I wasn't going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I would get places and I didn't have a word to say. And I was like, because I, I was new at it and I didn't know what to say. Right. Eventually, so that's, eventually, I would say stuff like, well, you know, and I'd start, everything started off, well, you know, and I'd turn it around. And I felt people would like, oh, here comes, you know, Polly Purebred. Right. Like, <laughs> but eventually, I'll tell you what happened. And it still happens today people started changing the, the way that they saw things. Same things happening. Same pile up on 95. Mm-hmm. But guess what this pile up means? Maybe it prevented me from getting involved in something, some accident. This slowed me down. True. I had an opportunity to catch my breath before I got home and took my challenging day out on my family. Mm-hmm. All the, so we started having conversations like this because in my presence, the energy had changed. I changed it purposefully. Yes. Yeah. I changed it. And I decided to go through that awkwardness where I really didn't know what to say. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I started just removing myself from conversation, but I'm a people person, so I wanted to talk. Right. <laughs> so I get back in. I said, you know, I start off, well, you know, and then I just talk about, you know, my beliefs. And I would say, well, what if we looked at it this way? Have you ever thought about that? Mm-hmm. And people just started to change the way they perceive things in my area. And I feel like in my small corner of the world, it makes a difference. And that concludes our Blog Talk Radio edition of our interview with Dr. Drayvon James. If you'd like to hear or watch the entire episode, go to youtube.com forward slash solutions radio or spreaker.com forward slash Illuminations Media Network. Peace and blessings until next time.